Hi, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 19 of Alice in Wonderland. I'm Vic Philipson in Christiansund, Norway. And I am Alice, free at last, in the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. I know. Are you out? Have you been out? I have. So today it's our first day that in this region we're allowed to um, leave the house for anything other than vital shopping. So I set my alarm for six o'clock, packed my backpack, baked my bread, got my little cheese squares and my my stove and my tea tea bag and sugar and everything ready, all, all my clothes ready. And then first thing this morning, I was up on the mountain walking up to my local pass, wow. which is called Tizzy Music. Um, it was just amazing. It's amazing to be able to walk kind of legally, as it were, mm -hmm. you know, to get out of the house and just be out in nature. Uh, it's the most incredible taste of freedom. How many weeks were you um, locked up? <clears throat> I think it's 13. Ooh, that's a long time. And such a contrast for you, having just come from a long trek through the Western Sahara and then into your little apartment. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely struggled. Um, you know, having abs having no freedom... Um, not being able to do the things that I think normally keep me quite balanced, which is is go out and do long walks mm -hmm. and discover nature and look at the environment and meet people outside and talk to them and experience things and write about them. I mean, I definitely struggled in the last two weeks have been really horrible. Um, and I think, you know, it's made it very hard. I think genuinely I'm reasonably a positive person, but... I think also there's a place to just acknowledge that some things are just not good, rubbish. They're awful. And being for me, being incarcerated for 13 weeks has been very, very difficult. I'm sure it has been. I'm sure. I've got that off my chest. I feel better. Good. And um, tell about being out. Yeah. It's Is it still spring there or is it sliding into summer? No, we're, we're already in full summer here. Oh, all are. the trees, all the blossoms gone. Oh, yeah, we're definitely in, in full summer, really. Uh, it's not baking hot, so it's it's not quite thunderstorm season, although it will come soon. Uh, so it's quite interesting going out. So the very first thing I noticed, because today is our first day, and in Morocco, it's only certain, the, the cities are still under strict lockdown. Mm -hmm. So because the number of cases went up in Marrakesh and in Casablanca, yeah. um, somebody, the, somebody died from covid and 100 people went to visit, as is the custom here, and there was another cluster. Oh, no. That's one of the stories that's being told, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But because the cases went up, all the cities are still under strict lockdown. But areas like ours, we've never had a case within 40 miles. So we're now out of strict lockdown right. um, and we can travel within our region. So, I mean, it's it's wonderful for, you know, for everybody because it's been hard for everybody, but the minute I went out this morning, mm -hmm. the first thing I noticed was that there were women out oh. in the in the main street. Because my pass, I go up the main street first, then turn right and go into the mountain. And so I met four women were the first people I saw. Two girls, one from actually my neighbor's daughter and her auntie, who's about 12, because <laughs> the generations are Close kind together. of mixed in here. Yeah. And she went, yes, I know I'm a very young auntie, but I am an auntie. And then as I was walking up the road, and they were going off to do some sport, actually. 
the, the pair of them. They had the little runners on and they were probably ages 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. And off they were to do some sports. So they were running off up the hill. I couldn't keep up, not with those long skinny legs. <laughs> um, and then the next two people I met were two women going down to the pharmacy. And I said, oh, I hope you're not sick. And they, they were going for diabetes. Um, there's a lot of diabetes here. And that was honestly, because all through lockdown, it's only been men doing the shopping for the household, which is normal here. Right. The men do the shopping. Right. Um, and so I've hardly seen any other women except for in the door. So, you know, that was my first indication that things were going to be different. Mm-hmm. And then just on the way down, I've just, I've literally just got in the door. So on the way down, as I walked through the town again, uh, the town, the village, <laughs> I can hardly call it town. I mean, it's crazy. How many people live in your town? Fish. How many people live there? I have no idea. Because it's quite a scattered community, I, I really is it more than one hundred and twenty? No idea. I think so. Oh, okay. Yes, I say be, that because, because we're twenty. My town was one hundred and twenty people where I grew up. So anything bigger than one hundred and twenty oh is a town. Oh, okay. Yes, I can. It's definitely bigger than one hundred and twenty because I can see ten houses out my window, and there's usually more than twelve people per house. So, um, but I walked when I walked down. What struck me was the shop most. The shops is still only very few open. Um, some of the usual ones were closed, actually. Two of the kind of what we call hanouts, kind of like general stores were shut, which is annoying because I'd waited till the last one. I wanted some milk, so I haven't got any. Um, and then a couple of the, because a lot of the shops here are for tourists, mm-hmm. you know, for internal and external tourism. And then I saw one shop that sells rugs and um things like plates and they had all their rugs outside airing in the sun so obviously getting ready so but there's still not lots and lots of people about there were a few groups of men all sitting like in the shade Mm -hmm. on the way down just obviously glad to be out and the police passed me they were patrolling um three of them in their land rover with their mask on and they were like how are you because i've seen them before and they, i'm telling them that i was really missing getting outside they were like how are you how are you and i said it's our first day of freedom and then we all went alhamdulillah and everybody was happy so spirits are a bit higher oh that's great that's great yeah. sounds like mr mr rooster is also very happy there in the background yeah he's having a great well, time mr. Rooster, he is well he's got about He's got about eight lady lady chickens waiting for him down below, oh, scratching around okay. in the cow dung. So he is a very happy man. Yes. <laughs> when you, there say, you say there's a lot of diabetes there, that doesn't seem like that would be. I mean, we associate that with a Western diet with with French fries <laughs> and Coca Cola. That's not. I know it's well. I think people here, proper, you know, a poor diet here is very. So there are a lot of people who are not at all rich so they can't afford um protein for example right. people do not have rich protein diets mm-hmm. and they don't people eat vegetables of course and fruit when they grow them but again people don't eat very much and they eat a lot of the basics which is sugar uh, in the tea uh, okay. and bread yeah. mm-hmm. and that's the that's the staple diet so there is a lot of diabetes here i mean i I don't know the exact reason, and it's something I ought to look into, actually. But there is a, a large amount. I would never have guessed that. That's <clears throat> that's really surprising. Yeah, I know it is surprising. Yeah. Um, and you know, people just have to take the. But people do. If you see what how the tea's made, for example, which is one of the staples here. I mean, it mm. is. It is really, really sugary. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, mm. that's one thing. Yeah. That's one I've, I've watched, you know, again, I my my experience is with Egypt and Egyptians, and I've watched them make tea, and it's just frightening. Four four things of sugar in one little cup. That's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> easily. But that actually, tea is very important. So my hike today, so as I say, I went up my local pass. So it's about fourteen and a half kilometers, and an ascent of. About 750 meters. Wow. Um, yeah, so and it's basically straight up and then straight down. There's not one centimeter of flat. And it's beautiful. So what I saw was all the broom is out. So everything was yellow. There was lots and lots of bright yellow flowers everywhere. Mm. Um, and then when you look a little bit closer to the ground, there's little purple thistles and a very prickly bush covered in tiny, tiny purple flowers that looks a bit like heather from a distance. Mm -hmm. So I had Scottish tones. And just walking up the hill was beautiful because once I got out of the town, there's absolutely nobody on the hill. And I know normally there'd be, again, hikers would be going up and a lot of mules because the valleys come in and out. So that's the tizzy means pass. So it's the Mizzic Pass. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people come to this valley from the next valley. And the only way to get here is to walk. So normally you'd see a lot of people with mules carrying stuff, coming to see people, but none of that. And the path was quite overgrown in places. Oh, because people Um, haven't been on it? Yeah, because we've been locked inside. So people really haven't been on it. So that was interesting. But I got up and I I was early enough. It was lovely. So the light was beautiful and it wasn't too hot because it's getting hot. Um, And I was early enough to see um, a shepherd letting his goats out. Of his azib. So, an azib is a stone built enclosure Mm. for animals, um, and you'll see them scattered all over the mountains. And uh, they either belo- they belong to a family. So <clears throat> I, I heard I heard someone shouting, and way way in the distance, about a kilometer away, I saw um, I just saw the little black dots running out of the azib onto the hill. <laughs> and when it was lovely, you know, those are the things. And I could hear the bees and the birds. And I could smell the wild chamomile underfoot Mm. um, because there's lots and lots of wild chamomile here. Mm -hmm. So it it was beautiful, you know, and it's so restful for the spirit. Mm -hmm. But then I got to the top of the pass and I was sitting and it was great. I just felt good. I got to the top of the pass. I mean, my fitness has gone to rubbish because I've been stuck in the house and I put on weight. And But, you know, that is what it is. Um, But I got to the top of the pass, sat down in the shade of a juniper tree which again has got a great smell. Yeah. It's kind of very, very resiny and piney. So, and I took I took up my little Etsy stove, which is a teensy three stove. It's not really a stove. You put a you put um some solid fuel on it, and you can boil a cup of tea. So I was boiling up my water, sitting on the pass, nobody there, and I saw the shepherd coming up the hill and onto the opposite hill, and I was like, oh, I, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm, you know, I don't like humans at the moment. Having read all the news for the last two weeks, I'm like, humans are not good not people. Not good people. Not good people. And then I thought, oh, don't be ridiculous. So I saw him, so I yelled, you know, salam alaikum over the hill. <clears throat> and then I said, come and have a cup of tea. So he beetled, I'm, I'm screaming this across the hill in Dashley Heat. So he beetled down and he sat down. I mean, we're both, I've got a mask under my chin and he hasn't got a mask and we're, we're, we're kind of about a metre apart from each other. We're not two metres. Um, 
And I said, do you want a cup of tea? And he was, oh, yes, I fancy a cup of tea. So we sit there under a juniper tree and we share a cup of tea and some bread. I've got some bread and cheese. And he looks at my bread and immediately brings out his bread, which is much, much nicer because my baking's a bit dodgy. And, I, and his wife has obviously made this beautiful, perfect bread. So he brings his out and I've brought some cherries up. And we just do what well, actually... <laughs> away from all the the storms and noise you see on social media, we just do what humans do, which is we have a lovely cup of tea together. I ask him about his sheep and goats. He asks me where I'm from. We both talk about being locked in and what Corona's been up to. Because of course he hasn't been logged in because he's a key worker. Sure. He's out in the hills every day. We, we we discuss which bits of the mountains I've been to. And this is all in Berber and Tashlahid. Mm-hmm. Um, and my broken, terrible Tashlahid and lots of, you know, just trying to be understood. And that is what humans do. <laughs> that's what real, that's all it's about. It's yeah, really easy. When you get down to it, it's really, really easy and lovely and that interaction with Hassan and at the end you know what he did and this is very this is I can't tell you how this has actually never happened to me here Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's because all all of us at the moment in the world are feeling so kind of underlyingly stressed and and upset by what's you know what's going on by corona in different countries obviously by what's happening in our cultures we see what's happened to George Floyd which is so Mm -hmm. awful Mm -hmm. but Generally, I think there's an anxiety. People are worried about jobs and money and so on here and sickness. And he, we'd had such a nice time together that as, as I stood up to go, he, he grabbed my hand. You know, you normally you shake hands and then put your hand on your heart. He actually kissed me on both cheeks. <laughs> and honestly, I know you're not meant to approach in Corona, blah, blah, blah. But it was so nice. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> it, it was just that lovely thing of recognising that we're actually, Humans. things are really difficult and that we're just two humans in the middle of it that's and it's never ever happened i mean because here it's it's not normal for that to happen at all so it was absolutely lovely and just very sweet i don't know very it was very it was a really genuinely it was one of those just those moments when two two people in the world just exchange a bit of pleasantness and i think that's what's of value really well i think it's great then you hollered it would have been, yes. you'd have really missed something. I would have really missed something and it really touched me. And it's, yeah, I really would have missed that. So again, that's another thing. I think when we're under a lot of pressure, or maybe it's not everybody, but when when we're under a lot of pressure or, you know, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of aggression mm. around, um, it does make you go into your shell a little bit. Mm. And actually, then you do miss out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just reach out... Usually, something good happens. Yeah. Speaking of reaching out, what about uh, your region? You say you're not allowed to leave your region. How is that defined? Is is it a state or is it a like you, you? You're probably not allowed to drive into Marrakesh. No, well, Marrakesh is still a. So what's happened is the the, the Moroccan government's been very clear. It's quite simple and it makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not an expert, but it, it really makes sense. In the areas where there are, if you like, hotspots, mm-hmm. they are still under strict lockdown. They are not. They're under the same rules. They can't leave the house unless they they have to. They're under the same rules, right. um, and they're they're coloured in red on the map. And there's a map available to everybody, so you know exactly where you are. Um, they're in red. So, for example, Casablanca, Rabat, Tangier, 
Marrakesh, as you'd imagine. They're all red. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in Al Hawz province, which is a very big province, actually, and which is, starts from just outside Marrakesh and stretches into the Atlas Mountains. And it crosses the kind of Great Plain, which lies between Marrakesh and the Atlas. So I cannot go to Marrakesh, no. no. Um, actually, on Sunday, I had my car being repaired, which is another story. And I went just into Asni and to collect it. I walked there, in fact, because legally I can do that, um, and collected it. And I drove, <clears throat> it was the clutch, and I was just driving around to test it out. And I drove to the roundabout at the end of Asni, which is our nearest town, 15 kilometres from here, 16. And um, there was still a roadblock in place. Police were there. Ah. Everything's blocked off so you couldn't go to and that was on Sunday I don't know what's now but you you can travel within the province some people understood the government decree to mean that you could travel between green provinces mm-hmm. so if I could avoid Marrakesh I could go to Essaouira for example which I would really like to do um, but I'm gonna hold fire I've got, you know, the joy of just, I need to get my fitness back. I need to get my head straight. So I need a few, I need quite a few days just out in the mountains, Mm -hmm. just putting the miles in and definitely, as I say, just trying to get my head straight. So I'm just going to stick with that at the moment. I also want to backtrack a long way to something you said very early about uh, um, uh, um, not thunderclouds, but... uh, um, you said that there's a thunderstorm? thunderstorm season. Is there a season there for where you really get bad storms? Um, July, well, August, really, kind of end of July, beginning of August, uh, we tend to get uh, thunder and lightning storms every day at three o'clock. Every day? With some rain. Well, there was once, the first summer I was here, yeah, it was every day at three o'clock. It was really very regular <laughs> with some rain as well. I mean, obviously it depends, but you can get quite bad storms here, yeah. Do you get hail? <clears throat> um, well, oh my goodness. So one of my friends on Facebook sent me pictures. They had hail in Fez last week. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Huge. I mean, great big golf ball sized hail. So Yes, we do. I mean, here, not. I haven't seen it. I've only been in the mountains, you know, constantly for two years. So possibly, I'm not sure. So it's not until later in the year that you have to worry about big storms. A bit later. That must be exciting if you're on a long walk and you're up in the hills and the big storm rolls in. No, the, the mountains here are so dangerous. Honestly, they're so, it's the word friable. They're so fragile mm-hmm. um, that... It, they say here matar khatar, which means which rhymes beautifully and means um, rain is danger, because what happens is you'll get rain and then you'll get huge floods, flash floods. Um, we had one last two years ago now, yeah. two years ago, and my friend Omar, who's a guide and who I did quite a lot of walking with when I was training for Everest trail race, he um, he had a group of German tourists and they were walking up one of my local running trails i mean it is not a difficult trail it is one of the most popular trails in this whole region there's a very clear wide path it's not even steep it really isn't Mm -hmm. it's if if you if you're thinking of a safe trail in the atlas mountains this would be it um up to city shamharush which is a shrine and a lot of sick people go there moroccans to to try and get cured so it really you know it really is a safe path and i've done it so many times on my own, so many. Anyway, Omar's walking up there with a German group and it starts to rain with no warning. 
he's at the first set of there's little shops and cafes on the way because it's such a kind of ordinary pleasure walk you know um and he's just passing one of these and the whole side of the mountain came basically comes down on him and his group oh no and uh, yeah and it um i mean it's awful and i've seen the footage because somebody was videoing it and it's just it's 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 horror it's horrible one of the german men unfortunately died um yes the other one was taken. I mean, the, all of them went to hospital. Omar broke his hip, um, and and there's these horrible, distressing pictures of people buried in the rubble. Oh gosh! Because the, and there was no, you know, Omar is lived. He is <laughs> the same age as me. He's been in the mountains all his life. He is a safe, experienced, brilliant guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't predict. And you're stuck once you're in the mountains, you're in the mountains. So and they were on their way back. So there's no, there was absolutely no way he could have avoided it or it was just an act of God. Hmm. Um, And actually another friend of mine, Nuri, was was right behind them and saw it all. And fortunately, there were other people in the mountains so they could get them down to at least get them to hospital. But yeah, the mountains here are extremely fragile. And when it rains, if you possibly can, you should get out to a place where it's secure Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean say that phrase again in the winter i what was the phrase you need mata you need oh matar khatar matar khatar matar khatar rain is danger danger. so is there is there there you go is there any illusion or thought about a tourist season this year that's probably not going to happen is it i mean um well if i were a betting man i think well we heard i mean it's all speculation and i don't really want to you know i don't know i the the moroccan government is talking about trying to encourage internal tourism but internal tourism um would mainly could be people coming from the cities and at the moment the cities are in lockdown because that's where they're infected and the last thing we want is infected people coming to areas like ours which doesn't have any infections Um, there is, I mean, we are all concerned about how do we get out of lockdown and start living life again. So, of course, people want tourists and want money and they want tourists because it's their livelihood. And also the people here are so welcoming. They like tourists. Mm-hmm. They want people to come from abroad and to share their mountains with them and the desert with them and their lovely country. And, you know, it's not just about the money. It's about kind of sharing Morocco. And I think that is people who've been to Morocco have felt that hospitality and warmth. Um, which is being denied at the moment. I think maybe end of the year, maybe autumn, winter. Yeah, we'll have some tourism back. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they've you know the Moroccans. I can't help contrasting it with Britain, and I'm sorry if I sound negative. I love my own country, um, but really, the Moroccans have had temperature controls in the airports since the 14th of March when I flew back. Yeah. Um, now. I was watching a video the other day of one of the big hotels. So the big hotels are preparing by doing separate entrance and exits, by training their staff. All the staff have been issued with masks. Um, They've got things like hand sanitizers at the front desk. You know, they've got guidance of where you go, where you stand. The airports as well in Morocco have already got the lanes in place, even though nobody's flying. Mm -hmm. You know, they're preparing really well. Um, I think the government cannot let tourists in 
who might infect the population. See, that's our, so I think that's also that's our problem here. We have a very low incidence. Really? Yeah. And uh, they're talking about opening up part of the border uh, 15 July. Um, right. So we could go to Denmark, for example. That's right. part of the plan. Or the Danish could come here. But what our, our other neighbor are the Swedes, and the Swedes have a runaway problem. And the other people who come here in vast numbers every year are Germans. And there are still a lot of infected Germans. <coughs> so right now, I kind of, I am very doubtful that there's going to be a tourist season. And it's funny, the Norwegians are doing the same thing as the Moroccans. It's all about um, uh, staying home this summer and seeing Norway. And yeah. uh, the De Norske Bank, the, the big national bank, yeah. has a, what is it, a $10 million lottery? I've forgotten. And they're giving away a lot of 1,500 kroner um, tickets to things. So you oh. get 1,500 uh, kroners worth of, of museum admissions or to, to encourage people to go to That's local really things. Nice. Yeah. So that they, yeah. they stay here. And uh, there are, well, as you know, in every country, there are always people who don't leave their own state, right? There are a lot of yeah. people from Serlana who have yeah. never been up to see the Lofoten Islands. So yeah. there's a big push to keep people in because we can travel. We can fly internally, too. There's still a yeah. lot of flying uh, internal. Uh, okay. Well, it has to be. You know, Norway's so rough. Yeah. It takes so yes. long to get places. You yes, have to absolutely. fly. And uh, so that's what their plan is, too. It's kind of funny. The two the two countries are. And, and the Norwegians were also very prepared and very consequent about their. Uh, measures to control the virus. So, and it worked as it obviously it has I in, mean, in Morocco. It hasn't. I mean, poor old Sweden, because, you know, I think we were all looking to Sweden and rather hoping it would escape and that would give some credence to the, you know, herd immunity theory, but it hasn't worked. Um, and I guess what I'm, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I haven't heard much from Italy and Spain. They're ahead of us. You know, they've, they've been unlocked for quite a few weeks and there doesn't seem to be a huge spike in numbers so that's good mm -hmm. and i'm hoping that even though we've had these very big demonstrations in the cities in britain against racism i'm hoping that there won't be any big spike as a result of those yeah. and then maybe that will show that the virus has you know doesn't exist in the open air or 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 that it, it's lost its virulence who knows i don't know I don't know. Let's travel and hope. Oh, yeah. Let's travel and hope. You know, the Swedes and the, and the Norwegians have a kind of playful animosity between <clears throat> each other. For instance, in, in Norwegian, you call a monkey wrench a svenska. <laughs> Hand me that Swede. I don't know why. I guess because it's as dumb as a monkey wrench. There are a lot of jokes. That's very rude. <laughs> it is. And uh, even when I grew up, we had a poem that we said, 10,000 Swedes ran through the weeds with one Norwegian after. <laughs> weird and the dust they oh kicked and the dust they kicked up was made into snuff at the battle of copenhagen <laughs> okay you're losing me now we're getting deep i know i know, I know but, that's you're losing a, me. but they have that kind of funny relationship with sweden yeah. and it's uh well it strains a little further but anyway it's like siblings isn't it when you're close to somebody yeah. you're whatever yeah. and particularly when your sibling has occupied your country for almost a hundred years well there is that. <laughs> there is that um, there is that yeah so well i hope you get to uh oh gosh it must be so fantastic to get out there and see 
I mean, I it was I, abs- absolutely amazing. I thought I about mean, honestly, you a lot every morning when I'm out you. with the rockster and we're you know Aww. we're heading over the hills and thank you watching the sun come up and you're in your yeah I, you know no it's been the hardest thing I mean I really and I you know but it's over now we can get out and walk about good. um so I'm not going to dwell on it because it is over and that's a good thing but it, it's it, it has reconfirmed to me that personally um being confined in that way I have found it extremely difficult you know I'd I'd already changed my life so that I didn't spend it in play in houses and in offices um (laughs) so I've never been I've never been in this in a place for this long um and it brought back horrible memories of being at boarding school to be honest I it's not I hated boarding school and I knew lovely people there but I did hate being imprisoned and that's Mm. what it felt like so I'm like I'm so glad to be. Anyway, I'm out, and I'm not going to moan on about it any further. No, no. Um, I do. I do want to tell you one funny thing though that made me laugh yesterday. So yesterday is our last day of incarceration, <clears throat> and I had to get some more gas for my hot water. My hot, my four pound gas bottle has lasted me for the entire um, lockdown, That's... three thirteen weeks, because I only turn it on to have a quick shower. So I've been very frugal. <laughs> So anyway, ran out. And for the last three days, I've just been using, I've been boiling up a kettle or having a cold shower because I'm too lazy. Because you have to walk down the road and you have to get it done and you have to undo it anyway. So, and you have to unscrew it, which is very difficult. So I needed to unscrew my gas bottle. So I went to my neighbor, Fatima, and said, Fatima, come up and unscrew my gas bottle. So Fatima comes zipping up. First of all, she does a tour of my little garden on my terrace, my basil and my um, rocket and my, marigolds and she, we exclaim and then she she whips out she says oh do you mind if i just have a couple of basil seedlings and she whips out a couple of basil seedlings and secretes them in her bosom then she unscrews my gas bottle meanwhile three of the kids have infiltrated now they're all about two two and a half and Uthman, who's a little boy little gorgeous little fat boy i love him he's so squeezable he's like alice alice look at me look at me and he's showing me how he can now do cartwheels because he saw that i liked him ran doing cartwheels he's like look look and the two little girls are just pootling around in my shoes i don't know looking at something then I have to carry the boot. This is this is what it's like living here. Then I have to carry this big calor gas thing down the hill, which is very steep and rough. And I'm halfway down when when my down down the hill neighbour sees me and comes running up. His son is who's about eighteen comes running up and grabs it off. He's like, no, 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 no! You can't carry that. I'll carry it. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Goes down. The lorry has the lorry is at the bottom. The lorry that brings the gas bottles and they're just chucking these great big gas bottles onto the road, which I'm always worried they're going to explode. And there's a huge racket, and the man's got a huge moustache, and he's very big and burly. So he takes my money. I get the full bottle. My lovely boy is running up the hill with it as I pant up behind him. Then Fatima comes down, and she's got more bottles for her house. So then we have this huge kind of like flurry of bottles going down and bottles going up, and we're all carrying, and they're quite heavy, these bottles, Mm -hmm. carrying them down, carrying them up. And then I get to the bottom again with a new gas bottle for Fatima. And there's the Hajj, her husband, in a truck. And he's unloading massive sacks of flour, really heavy. <clears throat> and these are the sacks because what they do here is they they gather the wheat and then they dry, they wash and dry the wheat in the courtyard outside my window. Mm-hmm. And then they take the dried, cleaned wheat to the local mill, mill right. to, to mill it so that they have their own flour. It hasn't 
they don't buy flour, they make flour, sure. grow and make flour. Um, so he's coming back with his big sacks, and I mean big sacks of flour. And I think, I say to him, I say, Hash, no problem, I'll carry one up. And he goes, <laughs> it's really heavy. He's like, leave it, we'll do it. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, equality and all that. I said, I'm very strong. I'll carry this sack of flour up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was so heavy. I was sweating. I was like dripping onto his flour. I was making pastry with my sweat. <laughs> and, you know, I had to keep on a brave front because I'd made such a big deal of being strong enough to do it. So, I managed to nip around the first corner and then I just put the flower down and was like going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me about 20 minutes to get up, you know, 250 meters. Yeah. So that was me. But it, that's what life is like here. It's like everything is communal and everything, everyone's helping each other as is normal. And again, sure. humans are mm -hmm. actually very nice. Mm -hmm. But it does make me laugh because it's not just, you know, Someone doesn't just come in to help you with something. Then all the kids come. Then you have an inspection of your terrace. Then everything is becomes a story, which is lovely. <laughs> and look at me. I can do a cartwheel. <laughs> That's great. And look at me. And he can on his little stubby legs. Bless him. <laughs> Alice, we are closing in. Well, we have passed the magic 30-minute <gasps> mark. Is there anything? Are you going to cut out my gas story? No, <gasps> of course I'm not going to oh, cut Kel it. disaster. no. no. You uh, have anything you want to, other things you want to tell people, things you've written, things you want to point them to? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the blog is always there, alicemorrison.co.uk forward slash blog. And of course, I, having plugged my book so thoroughly last week, I feel I'll just do one plug. Best selling Adventures, author. Best selling author, <laughs> Adventures in Morocco, still on the bestsellers list. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone who's bought it, actually. A genuine thank you. It's really kind. Um, and then, yeah, Instagram. I'm, I'm really happy with the pictures I've been able to put up on Instagram, even in lockdown. Uh, Alice out there one. Okay. You'll reckon, you'll sit, when you see it, you'll recognize me. And you'll also see that all the pictures of Morocco. So that'll probably give you a clue. So that's it, really. Huh. And I think peace and love, everyone. Yes. Peace and love, you know. That's... Let's keep moving forward together. That's right. All right. Well, on that very positive note, we'll say goodbye and until two weeks from now, okay? I shall look. I hope to be by then. I hope to be back on full throttle positivity <laughs> and no more. I feel I've moaned on this podcast. No, no more moaning. No, no moaning. Not moaning. <laughs> yes. Just reporting. Keep well, everybody. Right. Stay safe. Okay. Bye, Alice.